The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish, and I am the host of IGN's weekly PlayStation Show podcast, Beyond. This is episode 608 of that PlayStation Show, where we occasionally talk about PlayStation, but we actually have a lot of news to talk about this week. So I thought first, instead of doing that, we're going to start with a memory card story because it ties into the intro that I wanted to have. Uh, In addition to being a good story, the PS to it has a fun intro bit. So we're going to start off with the memory card story. Of course, if you don't know memory card, we do this every week. Uh, People who listen and watch the show write in with their stories of their video gaming life, funny, weird, happy, sad, whatever, and we read them on the show. This first story this week comes from Nicholas. Nicholas says, hello, everyone and beyond. My name is Nicholas, and I have a cool PlayStation memory I'd like to share with you. I'm from South Africa, so our academic year starts in January, so around September each year. We have a short week off, which we call recess. Last year, I went home for this week with a lot on my plate. I would be going home to my girlfriend of two years. We were doing long distance at the time, seeing my family, studying for two tests that sounds uh, uh, right on the first Monday and Tuesday back the following week they were taking place then. And best of all, the Friday before recess was the release of my most anticipated game of the year, Marvel's Spider-Man. I spent the week waking up at 5.30 a.m. just so I could play Spider-Man until 9, which was preceded by studying until lunch, and then I'd spend the afternoon with my girlfriend or family with an approximate bedtime of 12. It was tiring, but it was so worth it in the end when I managed to finish Spider-Man before returning to university, as well as getting 90% for both tests and my girlfriend and I are together at the same university, so long distance was a success. Uh, And with a few extra hours in my next holiday, Marvel Spider-Man became my first platinum ever and is personally my favorite game of this generation. Thanks for all the laughs, and I hope you know that what you do is reaching as far as South Africa. Kind regards, Nicholas. P.S. I think the R in Tom's name stands for Re, i.e. Tom Remarks. Tom, is that your middle name? No, hello. Damn, uh, Tom Marks joins us this week on Podcast Beyond, in addition to Brian Altano. What's up? And Max Scoville. Hello. Thank you all for being here. I read that first on the show just so we could get to Tom's middle name. It is not Re. No, it's not. That was a good one, though. Remarks. I like that. Yes, uh, I appreciate you writing in. Nicholas, with that story, congrats on your first platinum and with your guests at Tom's middle name. We will get it one day if we haven't somehow gotten it already. And I Is just it a forgot. secret? I've no. just been guessing it. The answer is no, but huh. there are people in this building who know it, and I, they're just keeping it from Jonathan at yeah. this point. That's pretty The funny. answer is no? Tom no, no marks. marks? The R is silent. It is. You got it. <laughs> uh, moving on show. from the guesses of Tom's middle name, uh, first wanted to mention uh, thank you to everyone who listened and watched uh, last week's double episode week. Uh, we both had the Listener Mail episode as well as the Last of Us Part 2 episode. A uh, lot of great feedback from all of you for both of those episodes. So thank you so much. We definitely want to do more Listener Mail uh, in the future, so look forward to that as well. Uh, if you haven't, again, we have so much of my Last of Us Part 2 coverage on the site. We did that Beyond episode. Lucy and I did a convo. Uh, I have my full preview on the site. We have a bunch more, so please go check all of that out, especially as we have a few more months before the game comes out. Uh, but wanted to dive in because we have a lot of big topics this week with News Crunch. Crunch. <laughs> Max, I saw you shaking your head. Such a weird little series of noises. <laughs> uh, huge thank you to Ronnie Barrier, uh, our former producer, for making that. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Ronnie. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention. Is that what the R stands for? Rest in rest peace. In peace. <laughs> Tom, rest in peace, Marks. Two for two. How, you know, it's yeah. October. Uh, Ooh, it's the spooky month. Uh, The first thing I wanted to mention this week, the biggest piece of PlayStation news, Sean Layden, the Sony Worldwide Studios head, 
is departing PlayStation. Uh, revealed via a tweet on the PlayStation official account, no PlayStation blog post, no personal note from Sean at the time. Uh, this happened on September 30th. The PlayStation Twitter account tweeted, it is with great emotion that we announced that Worldwide Studios chairman, Sean Layden, will be departing SIE. His visionary leadership will be greatly missed. We wish him success in future endeavors and are deeply grateful for his years of service. Thanks for everything, Sean. Uh, and that is it. There's been no other word from Sean or the company in terms of who may be a replacement, uh, what this means for Sony as a whole right now. Uh, but to give a little bit of context to Sean's place at Sony One Dimension, he joined Sony as part of its corporate communications department in 1987. Wow. Uh, he later became president of Sony Computer Entertainment Japan in October 2007 before becoming a founding member and vice president of Sony Network Entertainment International in 2010. Then in 2014, he succeeded Dra Jack Tretton as president and CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment America. Uh, Sony used to be more divided like that, but in 2018, they reorged, and that was when then Layden was made chairman of Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios. So he was essentially chairman of all Sony first-party studios. And of course, under his tenure, Sony had many beloved first-party games, including God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Worldwide Studios, for reference, comprises all of Sony's first-party developers. So that includes Gorilla, Naughty Dog, Sony Santa Monica, Sucker Punch, and the recently acquired Insomniac Games. Uh, there are currently 14 Worldwide Studio developers. Uh, but current Sony CEO Jim Ryan has, of course, suggested they may acquire more, as they did with Insomniac. Uh, we reached out to Sony for more information about Layden's departure, uh, the situation surrounding it, because it seems so sudden, uh, what that may mean for the company going forward. We haven't heard back uh, as of this time recording. But in between when we first posted that story, when it was first announced, and when we're recording, uh, GamesIndustry.biz reported that Sony Interactive Entertainment Japan Asia president... Uh, Atusushi Morita uh, also retired yesterday, the same day as Sean Layden. Uh, his successor has not been named, but SIE Deputy President and CFO uh, Kazuhiku Takeda has since taken on some of his corporate director duties. Um, so, couple, it's an exodus. It's a mass exodus of people. <laughs> uh, no, I do want to put it in context of some of the other stuff that's happened at Sony throughout the last year, and especially as we're leading up to PS5. But that's really the big topic to me. One. What do you guys think this means for Sony in the next year, the next five years? You know, having Layden, who's been a part of the PS4 in such a major way, departing right before the presumed PS5 rollout starts to begin. I mean, I I think that's one way of looking at it. I think it's also a lot of people are finishing the job on PS4 and mm. saying goodbye to that. I mean, I I, I think it's like it's... If, if they had quit a few months into the PS4, I'd be worried. If they had quit a few months into the PS5, I'd be worried. But I think that departing the company towards the tail end of a console like life cycle feels like the right thing to do. It feels natural. It feels like they're handing the reins off to the next generation. I mean, this is... You can get in on the ground floor of something that's going to last for the next five, six years, or you can just close the door on the accomplishment of shipping one of the best-selling video game systems of all time. So I think there is a tendency to spin this news as a, ne a negative and... I definitely did some of that in my own head, but I think on the same page, it's like you can look at this as like this is them closing a chapter, a tremendously successful chapter, um, which is different than something like Don Matrick when he left the Xbox brand for Zynga, uh, left after a very tumultuous launch, and you know him putting his foot in the mouth a lot, and what kind of seemed like you know maybe setting the course down the wrong path for what led to a pretty rocky outcome for the Xbox One's overall sales mm -hmm. towards even the, t the end of this generation. You know, it, it picked up a little bit, but this is a very different story there. This is Sean Layden saying goodbye to the end of a console life cycle or everything's on fire. <laughs> right. Could be one or the other. And and it's so hard. Like, I, I always say you likely do not... You, you probably know about 20% of what you think you know about what goes on inside of a company if you right. haven't worked there or don't work there. And that goes for us too. Like I don't, it, we can kind of only speculate on what's happening because like you said, there's not really any visible fires, right? Like we, it's easy to assume this is a bad thing, but it could be a really good thing. It could be a really positive thing. It could be a terrible thing. Like we just kind of don't know and it's not really worth immediately assuming the worst. Yep. Also, I would say it is out of the ordinary for somebody to work for that long for one company. Right, in, like 32 years? In a cutting-edge, like, technological industry like this. Like, that's... People move around a lot. That's extremely common, especially yeah. with how sort of uh, kind of game studios are structured. Uh, I mean, Sony's sort of a different animal because it's a consumer electronics company first, and then, 
you know, a global company and things get shuffled around a lot. And it's, I mean, it can be hard to gauge that, but uh, yeah, I mean, wish them the best. Do yeah. you, do you guys see what think, happens next? Yeah. Do you guys think uh, we can get to what Layden's future might be? Do you think this will have any sort of major impact we might see on the PS5? I, I like, I, for one, think there's obviously the studios are probably already working on the games they're going to be working on for mm-hmm. PS5. Mm-hmm. Those plans are all in motion. There are other several heads of Sony Interactive in general that are obviously steering the ship as well. Um, I don't think it, on the surface, will mean a tremendous amount going yeah. to launch. And, and I think with really high up executive position leadership changes like this, at least in my perspective, you don't generally see the effects of it for until years down the line. And often you don't realize the effects that they had until years after that, when you can kind of look at everything in context and go, oh, this person left. And then there was sort of this shift towards a different direction, right? Like we're not going to just like see things change. Like him leaving could have a very, very real and probably will have a significant impact on something. It's just going to be very, very hard to tell from the outside until much farther down the line when we start seeing things actively happening and in our hands and and even past that when we have context on those things. No, I'm with you guys in that the, the ball is already rolling on PS five. Um, and I don't, I don't really know what what could change between now and then because we don't have any concrete information about what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Calling it a PS5 is a is a pretty much the healthiest guess we have. <laughs> I do think something's interesting is that the you know Game Awards last year was sort of this amazing moment in in, in our industry where for the first time like the console wars got put aside and we had you know Reggie Fizeme, we had uh, Sean Layden, and we had Xbox's Phil Spencer. And now two out of three of those people have departed. Reggie went on to become—he's uh, giving like college lectures now, which is pretty awesome. So I don't know, maybe Sean can teach a night class or something. <laughs> <laughs> like that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I, th- what's interesting about Reggie's departure is that he didn't immediately go somewhere else. You know, Don Matrick went to Zynga and made a ton of money and then disappeared. Reggie retired and he's getting into like some local politics stuff and he's also teaching um if sean Layden goes to nintendo then i think you can probably say oh things weren't great at sony but if he retires or he goes to teach a class somewhere then you can probably go like oh he just kind of sunsetted what was an awesome career so i think if he immediately went to a, a competitor there'd be like huh what it, it, it would add an interesting dynamic to it Definitely. yeah because right now we don't know any bit of Layden's side of the story. Uh, we have that PlayStation tweet and not Layden being like, I found a great opportunity and I'm going to that or I want yep. to spend more time with my family. I want to do that. Yeah, was there a funny announcement. Was there anything on his t-shirt that could give us clues <laughs> what, what he's got going yeah. next? <laughs> it was just Master Chief, so okay. it's, it's huh. anyone's guess. Probably nothing. Yeah, yeah it's, I wouldn't put too much into it. Um, but no, yeah, it, it is curious. It'll be very interesting to see Layden's side of it and if he says, I'm going to academics like Reggie or I'm going to work at Stadia. Yeah, uh, as I saw Greg Miller sort of hypothesize as a possibility, um, it, it that will really add an interesting facet to me. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about though is what this means for Sony on a spokesman level because Sean was the closest thing they had to a figure. I don't think he had the same prominence or the sort of cachet among fans as like Phil Spencer does currently for the Xbox side of things, or Reggie did uh, notoriety for Nintendo fans. Mm-hmm. But Sean was the closest they had. Do you think we're going to see them continue to move away from having a public face? Like the state of plays are faceless completely. Do you think they'll try to find a replacement with whoever this new person may be? Do you think they'll try something yeah. else? Do you think they need that? This is such a weird year because it's like they didn't have an E3. Yeah. And they're still a tremendously powerful, you know, incredibly popular selling, you know, consoles through constantly. Um, state of play doesn't have anything like that. Could it use something like that? Maybe. I mean, I think that works for, uh, you know, what Nintendo's been doing. But on the same page, like, Sean Layden had a tremendous stage presence. And having him come out and, like, hearing him say good evening, like, during (laughs) E3 every year was, like, something, like, you got to chill. He had the voice. He did. Yeah. He did. He had a great stage presence. You knew he cared. He had this little smirk where he knew, like, surprises were around the corner. There was something wonderful and, and magical about that. And I do hope that doesn't go away. In the same way, I don't I don't want the spectacle of E3 to go away at all. I, I do think, like, the state of play is a fantastic vehicle for information, to get video games out, to sort of, like, compartmentalize a bunch of announcements that wouldn't fit individually. But I do think they need somebody. And especially, you can't... You can't announce PlayStation 5 in a state of play. Like, 
you can't roll that out. You need somebody to take the stage. You need a salesman or a saleswoman. You need somebody, you know? You need the Re Reggie pulling the, the thing out of his pocket. <laughs> I'm here to kick ass and take, take names. You need Phil Spencer coming out and saying, like, we've listened and this is what we're doing. You know, like, this this is the kind of thing that, like, that's that's where that has to go, at least at, at a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. So they're so, going to have to elevate somebody. So on the one point, one hand, yes, having a, a, a human being at the front of your massive global corporation does humanize it quite a lot. But on the flip side, having a human being who is uh, free to depart at their own will and go do other things uh, – Whenever that happens, people are like, "Oh, are the the rats jumping ship? What's going on over there? Is that a, is that you know canary in the coal mine?" Like it's, uh, I like the, just all the animal references <laughs> I could slip in there. But no, like I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if uh, Sean's role had been entirely behind the scenes, which historically is is I feel like what how business tends to operate. The chairman of a company, yeah, normally is probably yeah. a bit behind the scenes. Like most industries that make products don't have podcasts about them like this one you know it's kind of unusual for that to be the case yeah uh another thing that i do think is uh interesting at least in the last year or so of sony's uh news cycle and the way they've presented the company uh, as they make updates toward the end of the ps4 and then prepare for the ps5 they've also been positioning jim ryan who's the current uh i believe the exact title is sony interactive entertainment president and ceo uh, they've been positioning him a lot with the press. He's been doing a lot more interviews in the last year. Uh, I don't know if that means, you know, Sean's departure was something that was building and in the works for maybe a little while, but it seems like he may be taking a little bit of that central focus. Right. Um, which is curious to see if they'll position him when the PS5 comes out as the guy we all hear from, or if they'll have Mark Cerny come out to be like, Knack 3, PS5. <laughs> and, I, and I would be shocked, unless something, like, like we said, unless something truly bad happened behind the scenes that we don't know about, I would be shocked if this wasn't known internally amongst people for the last year, right? Yeah. Like they probably he was building up to this departure and just they kept it quiet until they didn't until they needed to talk about it, which is totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and the way the tweet was phrased seemed pretty amicable. So we probably won't know if this will affect the PS5 until the PS6. Um, but Sean, <laughs> though you were never on the show. Uh, while I've been hosting, if you ever want to come on, now that you're free, feel free to come and tell us all your PlayStation secrets. We'll happily air them or keep them to ourselves, whatever you want to do, or just come by for a beer. Um, but we do have a lot of other PlayStation news to talk about this week. Uh, the biggest thing happened today, PlayStation Now, uh, it got a price drop, but it also got some games added to its lineup, which means you don't need to own a PlayStation to play God of War. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing to say out loud. Yeah. Uh, Tom, you wrote the story a little earlier today, but I'll run through some of the biggest points of it. Basically, PlayStation Now's price has been reduced, so it's now $9.99 a month, $24.99 for three months, or $60 per year, which is down from $19.99, $49.99, and $99.99, respectively. So, so it's half price now, permanently half off for the month, month to month, yeah. and then it's slightly less than that, but still close to half off when you get up to three months in a year. Yes, uh, and in addition to that, Sony announced, uh, you know, this the library for PlayStation Now, their streaming service, has over 800 games in it, uh, and they added most recently as part of this announcement, God of War, Grand Theft Auto V, Infamous Second Son, and Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. They're all available until January 2nd, 2020. They'll be part of basically a rotating group of the library, which will bring in different marquee games, as Sony put it. Um, but the biggest thing, of course, is the fact that some of these games are available to stream on your PC. Yeah. Because uh, Sony back in 2016, I believe, enacted PlayStation Now for PC, and so you're able to play with a PS4 controller, God of War, GTA V, of course, uh, was already there, but Infamous Second Son and Uncharted 4. You don't need a PS4 now for some of the best games. That's in insane. That's insane yeah. to me. And this was already, a, a friend of mine from PC Gamer already pointed out, or rightly pointed out to me that... Like, you could already do this with, like, Bloodborne and Red Dead, right? Like, there were already games that were sort of this wild, like, oh, wow, you can just play this on PC now. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know why, but God of War feels really different to me for this. The fact that it was this flagship game of the year game that is still talked about, even though it is admittedly, like, almost two years old at this point, it, it's wild that you can get that game for $10, essentially, and play it without a PlayStation 4 is sort of crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to the show, 
And for some ungodly reason, <laughs> I won't take into your personals, but if you don't have a PS4, you can actually sign up for the PlayStation Now free trial, and you have seven full human adult days to finish God of War on your PC. You do need a PlayStation 4 controller. So, like, this is the thing is you don't need a PS4 to play God of War, but you probably should still play it on PS4 okay. <laughs> because it's uh, it's going to be, like, a lower frame and a lower resolution with the streaming. Their streaming is pretty good, but, like, if you don't have great internet, it's going to, like, probably have a little bit of input lag here and there. Why do you need a PlayStation controller, though? So the PS the PC app for PlayStation Now needs you like you can it will register other controllers but at least for god of war and i haven't tested this for other ps4 games once you get into the game it won't recognize anything but a ps4 controller weird at least it did for that for god of war for me isn't that um, something you could probably hack with a driver probably but then on top of that if Look you do you talking about computers if you do, <laughs> if you do what about accessing some, the mainframe <laughs> <laughs> if you do find some more sort of workaround for it you still don't have the touchpad which is like used in god of war so how do you remap those buttons do oh, you remap it like yeah. you're if you're not using playstation 4 controller like you're gonna even if you find some way to make it work which i don't know about yet uh you're still gonna like have a bad time with it but on top of that even just god of war being in this pack is like if you haven't played god of war yet you can do that seven day trial and download it to your ps4 and yep. just have that game for free right now which is crazy in its own right like even removed from all the pc stuff yeah it's Kind of an incredible offer, especially with this lower price point. And I think the big question here is this Sony continuing to build up PlayStation now as a Game Pass competitor because right. Xbox One, you know, Microsoft has made a lot of missteps this generation. They'll be the first to admit that, but Game Pass is the total opposite of that. I think that's it's one of the smartest ideas they've introduced in the span of the Xbox, you know, second to maybe Xbox Live and a couple other things. For the for the first time, I totally I was talking to somebody who I think they had it, they just bought a PS4. And they were like, should I get, should I get like PlayStation Plus? And I was like, do you also have an Xbox? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, you should probably, you should probably get Game Pass, you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't get mad at me. Just, I, you know, I, unless you're using it there. for multiplayer. Yeah, like, that's, that's exactly with it. With the PlayStation Plus free games offering going down, you know, October is a great month. It's The Last of Us Remastered and MLB, uh, yep. the show 2019. If you like MLB, that's two amazing games then. Um, but it used to be six games every month. And, you know cloud saves of course and multiplayer access but right now multiplayer is kind of the main reason to get it yeah. i think um whereas game pass yeah i i got it when it had that dollar sale during e3 and it's like oh great i have a hundred games at my disposal gears 5 came out i can just download it and i don't have to pay 60 dollars. Yep. it's unbelievable which is way. which is why i really like this move to making now a more uh adding more modern games, even if they're only temporary, like the temporary part is going to be really interesting to watch going forward. Cause this God of, God of War thing is only until January 2nd, 2020. Yeah. So it's basically three months of God of War being f only $10 a month through PlayStation yep. now and only available or available on PC. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that going forward of like, okay, what other games do they add? How long are they going to last? Because you don't need more than three months to play through God of War. But at the same time, you know, you, you lose access to that game in a way that you don't with other services sometimes like this. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I think what they've, I think they've definitely in my mind made PlayStation now just with this one move made it a significantly more valuable product and idea to me, right? The fact that not only is it cheaper, but now it's like going to get more recent games more quickly potentially is like that changes its framing in my mind of like, oh, this is a thing that, is worth really, really paying attention to. Yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the issues they're facing is the branding of this entire thing is cumbersome, A, and mm. B, it's old. Yeah. Like, PlayStation Now is old. Yeah. And Game Game Pass is like this hot new thing, or at least it has been for quite some time. I, I like. I feel like this is the kind of thing that needs to be renamed, rebranded, and relaunched with a new logo to remind the next generation of people that this is something to be reckoned with. Because right now it's just, PlayStation Now, to be completely honest, is something that was sort of ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that a lot of, like you look at Stadia as a, a sort of attempting some variation of that. You know, obviously much more complex. But PlayStation Now is kind of one of those things that we all kind of looked at a few years ago. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. It has a bunch of like last gen stuff. You can play like Saints Row the Third and like <laughs> Resident Evil 4 and like cool, awesome. And then 
our free trials lapsed or whatever it was, and most of us didn't go back. I mean, anecdotally, just at IGN, a building full of hardcore gamers, I was here when the Xbox One launched. I was here when the PlayStation 5 launched, uh, or PlayStation 4. Wow. Here. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm here when the PlayStation 5 launches. Um, the, uh, the, the UPS trucks came, and tons and tons of people bought PS4s, and a very significantly smaller group of people bought Xbox Ones. But fast forward to 2019, I think everybody has both. And if you mentioned you, Tom, today, you asked around, does anybody have a PlayStation Now subscription? No one said anything. If you said, is anybody here a member of Game Pass? I think dozens of people would have been like, yeah, I'm on that. So I think it's a, a matter of rebranding and refreshing this brand and taking something that is old and making it interesting and new again. Because taking this archaic infrastructure and just throwing God of War on there is awesome, but it's it's also like... It's just not really front and center, you know, when, when with the PlayStation audience anymore. So I, it needs a refresh. I completely agree with all of that. What I will say, and slightly in its defense, is I was pretty amazed by how easy it was to use today. Yeah. Like, I, I signed up for that seven-day free trial, downloaded the app on my PC, and I was playing God of War seamlessly on my computer with a PS4 controller in less than five minutes. And not mm. only that, it found my save account my cloud saves from my account on my ps4 That's and awesome. downloaded them and i was literally in the spot i had stopped playing god of war a year ago in minutes and it worked right it was lower res it was lower frame rate but it completely worked right so you're totally right that it needs like a branding refresh but from a technology standpoint it doesn't feel out old. of date it right 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 that's awesome. Like, I think also there's this sort of disconnect when you jump into like previously I thought of, of PlayStation now as being a way of sort of skirting around backwards compatibility, not right. a thing. Mm -hmm. And to take a PS3 game that probably looked really cool seven years ago uh, and then bump it through a streaming connection, it probably looks even worse than if it were if you were just running it in normal native HD. Uh, but to take a game that came out two years ago that looks gorgeous if you're running it normally and be like, oh, it's streaming. It still looks really good. There's, It's less of a, you know... It feels like it feels like you're getting kind of more value out of just on like a on a visual technical level. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the recency of having some of those games, and I'm curious to see what continues to be in this rotation. Whether they put something like Spider Man in there, or, you know, some of their other bigger recent games. Uh, I imagine Death Stranding won't be in there anytime right. soon, but you know, a year from now maybe. I mean, yeah, um, it might be a year from now. I mean, yeah. to, to piggyback on everything I'm saying, I think a lot of my issues with it can be solved by bundling it in with the PlayStation 5. Yep. And just going, hey, at PS5 day one, you have access to 800 games. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft comes out and says, you have access to all these on Game Pass. The console wars start to get pretty damn interesting. Yeah. I think you know? even if PS Now had a bundle in the same way that uh, Xbox has done Game Pass Ultimate, if it was, you know... PlayStation Plus and Game Pass, and it was a $5 add-on. Yeah. Play, like, it, it's still even less than what PlayStation Now is per month. I'd happily give five extra dollars. I may not even use it, but I'd just like to have it. No, and honestly, you and I have talked about this in the past, and especially you just mentioned it a few seconds ago. We used to get six games a month on PlayStation Plus, and now we get two. And the two are significantly bigger for the most part. Yeah. But I do think that there's, like, there's some way to bridge that and sort of do a make good. I think, like... Outside of shows like this and audiences like ours, most people are, they stop caring about the fact that you don't get six <laughs> games anymore. Yeah. I'm still mad about it. But <laughs> if you uh, if you bridge those things together, I think you have a pretty formidable service there. Yeah. I, I think it could be a pretty great uh, shot across the bow, especially as we get into next yeah. gen, where I think these uh, subscription services, we're seeing Apple Arcade, we'll see things like Stadia to a certain extent having that, but you have to buy games individually. But everyone's getting into this more subscription service-based place and even though we brian you and i have talked about that not owning all of your games is weird mm -hmm. to us that seems to be where the industry is heading to a certain extent so i think sony needs to get there before they lag behind yeah it's all really big question marks right now which i find incredibly exciting uh but it's also you mentioned in the office the other day jonathan you and i and ryan mccaffrey had like an hour-long impromptu conversation about next year <laughs> and one of the things you brought up was how no company since the NES and the Super NES really has had like two back-to-back market-leading hits. Yeah. You know? And so that means that anything can change at any given moment. The audiences are fickle. I do think now things are a little different because shit is so much more online-centric that uh, there's a just free it's curse word in there. <laughs> that, um, free I, with your PlayStation Plus subscription. Yeah. I do think people are locked into like their friends and their, their buddy systems online with the, the people they play video games with. And so if you have been playing... 
Call of Duty with like your 15 friends on PlayStation for the last five years, you might stay there. And Xbox, same thing. Um, but all that said, like all of this is fickle, and all of this could change next November, whenever they're you know these th- new things roll out. So yeah, it it's weird to see. I, I really do think the next generation we should have that as a topic on the show of our, our launch wish mm-hmm. list uh, for PS5 from that discussion. But it's weird. It's always been so much the uh, generation changes being about look at how amazing it looks. And this generation will look better, sure, and it will run more smoothly. But I do really think it's going to be the behind-the-scenes stuff and the services and the additional things that really make the difference in which console you want to go for. It seems like Microsoft is really trying to be like, trying to get people over sort of into the Xbox ecosystem by being like, hey, look how generous we are. Here we are. Have all these free things. Take this. And I hope that Sony can kind of like, you know, perk their ears up and take a note from that because they're kind of in the same spot they were out of the, after the PS2 where yeah. they are they are the on top, they are leading and they might get comfortable. So, well, so and admittedly it's easier to be like Xbox is right now when you're not in first. Like right. I can understand why, you know, they're saying here's God of War streaming for 3 months limited. I can see why they're not saying and when Death Stranding comes out if you're subscribed, you'll get it day 1 as part of the service. Like I yeah. can see why they're not doing that whereas Microsoft is because I mean, well, it's also, I mean, Microsoft has to do that yeah, because exactly. Sony has like massive global exclusives. They have some of the best first party exclusives in the world. They have some of the best, or like they have the kind of third party exclusives that piss people off. Yeah. You know, like I, the amount of people that anecdotally are bailing on their Call of Duty pre order because like a, one specific mode was locked down for a year on PlayStation. Like that gets that gets up people's butts. That gets people really mad. I don't blame them for that. Uh, the thing is, Microsoft has to come out because all of their they they're doing all these massive like studio acquirings, right? But those things are going to take years and years to really like actually grow fruit. To to sit down and go, this is what this studio is doing. This is what this studio is doing. Sony has all those all those guys in rotation right now. You know, like we've we've seen we 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 know that like Gorilla's making a new thing. We know that, you know, Santa Monica. Yeah, Santa Monica's making a new thing. Insomniac's making a new thing. Like, all those guys are, like, Corey's going to make another massive, awesome game, right? Like, stuff's happening. But in the meantime, anything could go anywhere. So I do find that tremendously fun and interesting and a little scary. It's going to be an interesting couple of years. Uh, Before we move on to a different topic, I did want to read, I reached out to the Facebook Podcast Beyond group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond for reactions to the Sean Layton news and the PlayStation Now news to see if anyone uh, had any thoughts on that, wanted to go through some of those. Toby said, delighted with the price drop. This is for PlayStation Now, obviously. I have been debating getting rid of my Xbox One and Game Pass for a while as I don't use it enough. This was my final nail in the coffin for them. Uh, And to that point, explicitly in the blog where they announced this price drop and stuff, they said, literally, like Sony said, this is to be competitive with other similar services, right? right. Like that's the reason mm. for this, and you see exactly that happening right there. Is it's like, oh, if this is a similar price, I want this one instead of another. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Kana said, I like the new lower price. It made me think about getting PS Now for the first time. Uh, Andrew said, I won't ever desire PlayStation Now unless it includes new games and makes the games downloadable. Uh, PS Now does have some game downloading, but it's not every game. Right. Um, that's whereas- a that's a huge sticking point, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, like, I don't know what that is. I think that's just like one of those things in our heads where we want to maintain some semblance of ownership over these things. But knowing that like I can download games on Game Pass and not knowing which ones I can on PS Now mm-hmm. is just like, it's just one of those gray areas that's a little finicky and cumbersome. Like if I went on there and I went to download a bunch of games and only three out of 10 of the ones I wanted are downloadable, I'd feel weird about it. Yeah. And also you don't want to get to that. I do that with Netflix. Like when I go to, you know, you can Netflix, you can download stuff on Netflix on your phone, right? But sometimes you can't. Like mm-hmm. the Disney Marvel stuff on there, mm-hmm. you couldn't, which is odd. Like they had a mm-hmm. bunch of Star Wars movies on there and it's like, well, you can't download those. But you can download all 50 Adam Sandler movies that Netflix produced. Yeah. You're like, well, who makes these rules? You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, also looking at streaming stuff, like, I don't know, I'll stream HBO or something and it'll it'll like hiccup and start buffering for a second. And that's annoying right. watching linear media while you sit there and, and nothing's trying to kill you. If I suddenly die in a game because my internet hiccups, like that's going to be like pretty easy to rage quit that. Yeah. 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 Totally. If it's installed, I'm just dying because I suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Jesse from the group said, I got the terrible internets. Also downloading games takes at least a day. Any subscription service or streaming is not good for us. So yep. yeah, I think that'll be one mm-hmm. of the sticking points as we go forward is yeah, just 
reliable, fast internet is not as easily accessible for everyone. The future is already here, just not evenly distributed. Exactly. What's the bummer about that is a lot of people from regions where they tell you like the internet is bad are also the same people who live in a place where like games are like ninety five dollars each. Yeah. And they would benefit the most from something like this. Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing to do. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That's There's probably lots to do. I don't know. There's probably some things. Uh, Alistair said for PlayStation Now, interesting, but I don't think it's enough to warrant a subscription. Not for me. Uh, and then for Sean Layden said, really surprising that it happened at all. Quite strange how it happened. I'm not one for speculating around what that means, but it'll be intriguing to see who fills his position. And Reggie. Reggie. Yeah. I'd be down. It'd be weird as hell if Reggie fees me was yeah. the Beyond <laughs> group. And <he's> like, <laughs> I guess so. Hello, gamers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most like '90s wrestling thing if like the curtain comes down at E3 2020 and Reggie Fils. Our new chairman. I've, <laughs> I've had the PlayStation passion this whole time. I've just had to hide it. <laughs> um, also, on the Sean Layden note, Luke said for Sean Layden leaving SIE, I thought it was a very abrupt and surprising announcement. He was the chairman, and to announce his departure in a simple tweet without any formal press release is suspicious. Is it possible the breakup was bad, or is he heading to a competitor? I will say the form in which they announced it is weird, because yeah. he does love corporate press releases. That's almost exclusively what they use them for now. They don't do any sort of like game announcements that way anymore, pretty much. But... Yeah, it. we really won't know the case until we see what Sean does next and how things fall out. Um, but in terms of who may replace him and things like that, I do think they're going to probably shift a bit of Jim Ryan's responsibilities to take on some of that. Uh, Shuhei Yoshida may take on some of those responsibilities as well. Obviously, he's got plenty on his plate already, but I could see them sort of distributing things if they don't feel like they need another chairman. Yep. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, and last but not least, Jason said, I feel, I feel like my parents, but I'm not sure how PS Now or Game Pass works. <laughs> so if you don't know how those things work, we have some helpful information on the website. Go to IGN.com to find out about those. I uh, wanted to move on for a couple other bits of PlayStation news. This happened after we recorded our Last of Us Part 2 discussion last week, but Naughty Dog confirmed that the Last of Us Part 2 won't have a multiplayer component to it. Uh, it will not be seeing the return of Factions, which was the Last of Us original game's multiplayer mode. But uh, in a tweet from Naughty Dog, they said, hey, we started to work on it, but realized for the single player campaign, we needed to put all of this emphasis into that campaign, not the multiplayer. That said, we love Factions. We know a large group of you love Factions as well. And we are expecting to show you that work and the efforts we've been putting into multiplayer sometime in the future but just not with Part 2's release. Uh, so they announced a spinoff game without announcing a spinoff game, pretty much. In so many words, yes. Or a yeah. new IP entirely. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't necessarily have to have the Last of Us wrapping around it. It could be another just multiplayer suite that they release. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would be floored if they spent the last five years making these assets just to... Not do throw, Yeah, things. just to... <laughs> yeah. Put out like a Crash Bandicoot game, but who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I saw a lot of people really upset about this. People really locked into the last one. Um, Factions is really underrated. Yeah. And it, it came out at a time when so many other games were getting what felt like needless multiplayer modes, whether it was like Dead Space or Batman Arkham Origins or other uh, Tomb Raider had that multiplayer mode. It felt like all these great single player games were tacking it on. Yeah. So I think when Last of Us had it, people were like, oh, not another needless multiplayer. But it actually was pretty in-depth. It had sort of a campaign structure to it. Uh, it had a pretty fun loop. Uh, mm-hmm. It was really fun. But yeah, it seems like the emphasis for them right now is single player. Which- yeah, it's interesting. We used to hear all the time about how like multiplayer tacked on multiplayer was distracting from making single player campaigns longer, but they've said that this is their longest single player campaign yet. Yeah. And so it's not like we're losing, like the average gamer isn't losing the value of whatever it is they perceive to get inside of the box. But for people who did want this mode, that's kind of a bummer. But I think the good news is that if it does spin off as its own thing, they will have to justify selling that. Mm-hmm. And it won't be just like some small throwaway thing for like 10 bucks. Like they will make a full-fledged multiplayer game out of this. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit about this last week when that news happened. Do you think they will, uh, because your big thing is like they need a reason to when they inevitably release Last of Us Part Two on PS5 to get people to buy it. Do you think they'll right. use this as an incentive? Do you think it'll kind of stand on its own? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really strong theory. It's uh, a, a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially because by then you have a, like an entire new group of people hooked on what that gameplay feels like. Yeah. And you go like, oh, let's throw that into multiplayer. What do you think that that would translate to? Yeah. Um, that's that's a, I, I can get behind that theory. That's also a hell of a way to uh, 
you know, emphasize new hardware, yeah. like justifying it. And I'm sure that would inevitably piss a lot of people off. But if they were like, hey, this is using cloud computing, it wouldn't be possible to do all this on the PlayStation 4. We tried or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. My other thought about it is they release it on its own as a PlayStation 5 game. Like The Last of Us Factions is its own game on PS5. You can only get there. And uh, earlier this year, I believe Jim Ryan or uh, Jim and Sean, I think, have both spoken about how Sony doesn't really do multiplayer anymore. And that's not a thing they do. But when they're looking to acquire studios, they're looking to fill the gaps they don't already succeed on. Uh, and granted, they already own Naughty Dog. But the idea that one of their most beloved, if not the most beloved studio is also like, hey, we just gave you the sequel to the most anticipated game of our library. Here's also a brand new multiplayer game that we've been working on. And that's like one of their flagship early PS5 games. That's not a bad way to be like, we have a bunch of varied experiences. Right. In a right. First party also, it's, it's extremely common with uh, single player games that have a multiplayer component that the multiplayer component is developed by another studio in conjunction with the main flagship studio. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's usually, if you look into the sort of, I don't know, liner notes of different Call of Duty games. It's like, that's usually a bunch of people working together. Um, so it makes sense that they have somebody for heavy lifting if they wanted to partner up with a totally. team that has more of a background. I mean, yeah. Naughty Dog is primarily known for making story-based single-player games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on from that in terms of uh, things that could happen on the PS5, things that can definitely happen on your PS4, you may have forgotten you have a little uh, speaker in your controller, but good news, when you play Death Stranding, the baby will talk to you. Uh, Hideo Kojima on Twitter confirmed that um, in the settings, you'll have the ability to have the BB, aka the bridge baby, uh's voice come out of the, as he put it, the BB-ish controller. Because uh, he meant the special edition. The one, special right? edition controller. That looks like the jar. Yeah, so uh, we don't know if that will have a gameplay function, if it will just be you hear the baby cooing, and that's when you need to go in to pet it and keep it calm or something. We don't really know the gameplay implications of it, mm. but uh, I just love that this game gets progressively weirder by the day. Yep. This is some wonderful WarioWare garbage. <laughs> I think it's great. I'm like, great. all for it. I am a I'm a, a distinguished uh, connoisseur of many good things, but I'm also a damn simpleton, and I think it's still so cool when noises come out of the controller. Yeah, <laughs> like I love, I love in GTA Five how that's your phone, and you're just like, oh, hello, what's going on there? How's yep. it going? You know? Yeah, it's great. It's one of those things that I like seems silly, but when it's used right, is a lot of fun. No, I had a fun time on No More Heroes, just like answering my Wii remote. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. Uh, my favorite, I think, on the PS4 controller has been Transistor back in, like, 2014. Oh, yeah. Because the sword spoke to your character, and so it spoke. I think you could make it speak both ways, but the default, I believe, was to just have it speak to you through the controller yep. so to really, like, sell that it's your sidekick sort of thing. There's something, like, so, like, n like 90s toy about that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, the, even down to the speaker, it just sounds like something you would have gotten in, like a, like, a large action figure with a speaker on its stomach or something, <laughs> like a, a crappy car. Like, I, I, I kind of love You're, that yeah, kind of that stuff. Really, that is exactly, it's, t right? it's tinny in that, yeah. in that plasticky way, you uh -huh. know? Uh -huh. But uh, it, it's so great when it's you as well. I mean, Kojima was playing with weird controller stuff with PT. I can't remember, like, that game is such a, first of all, not a finished game. Second of all, you can't download it if you want. Yep. So it's kind of in a weird limbo, almost like a, a the ghost of a dead woman in a hallway. <laughs> uh, but there was a whole thing where, like, did it eavesdrop on you? Like, would it pick up things you said with the microphone? And was that a game mechanic? I think, mate, I don't know. That yeah. was always, a I don't know if that was ever f like definitively proven yeah. or not of whether or not you speaking into the controller at certain points affected it. Mm -hmm. Which is like, that totally fits with the sort of urban legend vibe of that. It's like, yeah. hey, if you go in the bathroom with the lights off and speak in your PlayStation controller, yep. a ghost will show up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate his ability to sort of experiment with like the way we interface with hardware. I mean, he did that with unplugging controllers to beat boss fights. He like what executive produced Boktai, which was that oh, game yeah. that you had to bring your GBA sensor outside to collect sunlight to like fight <laughs> in this oh, vampire I game. About yeah. yeah, like yeah. I mean, goodness, the dude definitely like thinks outside of the box and gets weird with the actual like the way you assess hardware, and I, I yeah. love that. Yeah, it, I really appreciate as that. long as and just like you said in his tweet, as long as it's a setting, right? As long as this is a thing that. Some people can completely opt out of if they don't want to deal with that garbage. Like, great. I love it. You know, if if it was like a mandatory thing where like if you don't have your baby control, like speak to you through your controller, you won't be able to play the game properly. That would be a bummer. But if it's optional, I love weird. I love mm -hmm. weird. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited to see how weird that game gets. And we are a month and a few days away. I'm so, so excited so to play strange. that game. Yep. Yeah. I've yeah. Been, for whatever reason, I've been doing a handful of little like Metal Gear Solid retrospective things and just like... Falling into all the strange 
just the just the little the little tidbit parts of Kojima games is so like I love that so much, and I'm so excited to see what's what exists in like a game where he's been basically got carte blanche to be like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, because as much as we've seen of that game, I feel like all of the real weirdness of it, like the things we associate with Kojima's design philosophies, we've only really got hints at in trailers occasionally, like how that's actually going mm-hmm. to play out in this game. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's presumably that. some kind of multiplayer component. We saw that like second deep dive on how you can like customize your character and yeah. you can just put like dumb hats and he's got like his own line of like JF Ray sunglasses or something. There's all sorts of crap that like people are going to play that game and it will not look as cool as the trailers because people are going to have like neon orange hammer pants and like, yeah. you know, chrome plated armor or whatever. Well, it's like, like the special edition pre-orders gives you like all gold, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my like helicopter in MGS five was like pink with polka dots or something. And I had like big horse stickers on it. Like, Stupid as hell. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Love yeah. it. My mother base was entirely magenta, and it just had big like signs that say old woman everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> Customization. Uh, on that note, Tom has to leave us. Yes, Thank I you do. for joining Sorry, Tom. Tom. Goodbye. So long, friends. Uh, Tom Marks for no Good night. As Tom leaves, uh, blessed dreams. Uh, as Tom leaves, wanted to briefly roll back to PT and all of that, uh, because another... Strange secret of PT was discovered. Uh, Lance McDonald, a YouTuber who continues to mine PT for bizarre, scary things, uh, discovered there are essentially two states to the bathroom that it can be found in, a version where the bathtub is partially filled with water and a version where the bathtub is empty. Uh, But by digging into PT's inner workings, McDonald discovered a third version of the bathroom and it's intense, uh, as Matt Kim, our reporter, put it. Quote, a third state exists for the bathtub, which is loaded into memory but never displayed. This only exists in the normal hallway, bathroom not in the later maze areas where you might consider it to fit more thematically. Uh, McDonald revealed in his YouTube video, uh, their YouTube video, excuse me, a version of the bathtub that's full of water and has Lisa, the ghost's decapitated corpse in it. Uh, we have some images on the website, so you can go see that there. I don't want to I want to look at up. that. That's horrible. Um, it is. No, as, as uh, Matt put in his story, it's terrifying and also very surprising. Uh, we You don't see that when you're playing through the normal game, but it may have factored into one of the loops that just didn't end up making it in. It may have factored into part of Lisa's story or whatnot, but obviously there's the like layered story to what happened in that house, uh, and this feels like it would certainly fit in with all that. I love that we are still talking about that playable teaser of a game that never came out. Yep. Yeah. Came out in 2014 that day. That we can't re-download. Yep. Some of us. Yeah. Yep. It's, Good Lord. It's just out there. It is one of my favorite, like, or like kind of as you said like urban legend game mm-hmm. things. Like yeah. this will be a thing we still talk about years from as long as Kojima is making games and as long as horror yep. games are uh, you know first person horror is a thing we'll be talking about PT it's pretty crazy um, but moving on from all of that news did want to briefly wrap up with what we've been playing I uh, know you guys have been a little bit busy Max you were recently at TwitchCon mm-hmm. and you guys are also off to New York Comic Con but have you guys been playing anything that's been capturing your attention or has it been a quiet time as we hit the craziness of October and November. Oh, I started replaying Ghostbusters. Oh, the, the remastered 2009 video game, which feels like I've this, never played it. Yeah, it's um, it's stunning because it is it is essentially a sequel to the movie. Like it's a sequel to Ghostbusters. It's it's the Ghostbusters three we never got and we will never <laughs> get uh, because it has all the cast members living it during the exact actual time of recording. Yeah, it's like it's sort of linear because it's definitely a game from a literal decade ago. But um, it's really charming. It's getting remastered, and it's coming to pretty much all consoles. So uh, if you're looking for Ghostbusters and, like, the the weird one from a few years ago left the sour taste in your mouth because either reasons or you just thought it wasn't very well written like I did, uh, or you're apprehensive about whatever this new reboot is, which apparently stars kids, um, go play this game because it's, it's incredibly funny and really heartfelt and... Just it, a good time. Also, mechanically, just super fun, trapping ghosts and all that. So, yeah, go check that out. It's kind of one of those crazy, like, license in an era where licensed games could be, like, really hit or really miss. Yep. It's, I know it has its, like, beloved audience, and it's mm-hmm. nice to see it get a second life as they try to figure out what life Ghostbusters has yeah. left in it. I was thinking about this, just, just telling Brian, but, like, it's wonderful when there's licensed games that are made out of love as opposed to just cash-in, which is, I think, the definition of when they're good. Um, but we saw, like, I mean, there was the Rockstar to the Warriors. There was the Mad Max game. Ghostbusters are great examples of that. I wish we got more of those. Yeah. You know, where it's like, here's a classic thing. Let's, let's that wasn't it out. That here. wasn't, like, sort of rushed inside the hype yeah. window of a new property or new film. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, I don't think there was a real, I mean, I don't remember, but if there, if, if there was a real sort of, like, anniversary, 
anniversary reason to make that game so. in 2009. No. But yeah, the, those games that you mentioned, the Transformers games, the first couple from High Moon Studios, like War for Cybertron or whatnot, yep. uh, were oh, also yeah. pretty great. Yeah, oh, it, God, that was awesome. Yeah, the, the first two that they made, then the third, I think they had to like sort of force into the Michael Bay universe. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's sort of a lost art to licensed games that we don't get too much anymore. Mm, yeah. uh, unless I mean, mobile. They're all on mobile. Old, good old Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man's. Um, yeah, so I have been, what have I been playing? I've been traveling a lot, so uh, I... I started, I jumped back into, um, God, what's it called? Not Pillars of Eternity. I, Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which is just, a, I'm playing it on Switch. Um, forgive me. I played, that was a game that I got like a, a code for for PS4. And I was like, I've heard good things about this. Allegedly, you can have sex with skeletons. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I like. Technically, everybody has sex with that's, skeletons. We, yeah. Mm -hmm. we're all, there are three skeletons in this video you're watching. Ooh. Um, but no, I've been. Happy just, Halloween. That is that is the definition of one of those desert island games. Yeah. Um, it's also just like, I don't know. I kind of love. There's something about like handheld games where I'm so much more tolerant of like a lot of a lot of text on there because there's like almost like holding something in your hands is like akin to holding a book, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas when it's on a screen, I'm like, I don't usually watch like I watch subtitled movies here and there, but it's I don't know. It's it's an odd an odd quandary there. That's but, why we need another Vita. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, take I, it. I saw that on the the drop. There's actually a brand new uh, Vita game coming out this week. Oh really? Yeah. Vita lives. Yeah. It's not dead. Viva yet. La Vita. Um, um yeah, yeah. I, I, when that game came out for PS4, played for like two or three hours, and was like, "Oh, this game is massive." I played for thirteen hours straight, and then my wife yelled at me, and I was like, <laughs> "But the skeletons, honey." Uh, it is in co-op though, so you can always play together, yeah. which is very cool. Um, I played the medieval demo, medieval demo that came out during the State of Play mm -hmm. last week. Uh, I've never played the first game as much as I loved games of that era, uh, mascot platformers and whatnot. Never played it, uh, but I thought the remake. It looked much prettier than I think the first couple trailers made it seem like it might not hold up super well. Uh, a lot of the effects were really pretty. The sort of color dynamic worked very well. Like visually, it was really nice uh, on a gameplay level. Pretty basic so far. It was just, you know, the opening. Um, I didn't know the setup for the story, which is actually very funny and clever. Do you guys know it at all? Mm -mm. I guess spoilers for the opening of Medieval. The, the skeleton man you're playing, he... Um, he's vaulted as this hero, but the truth is that he was like one of the first to die in combat, but his story just got held up as he was actually like the savior oh. because of just the way legends got passed down. It's sort of like in like the, the plot of idiocracy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, he has a, goddamn, uh, he has an <laughs> opportunity to read, like redeem his name yeah. as an undead skeleton. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun for what it was. Uh, the camera and the speed with which he moved were a little bit, uh, to adjust to it definitely felt like a game that was being remade from the PS1. Uh, but I'm excited to see where it goes. It feels like it'll be a fun sort of like eight hour adventure. Cool. Have through the rest of things. Uh, other stuff I'm playing is redacted, but stay tuned to next week's show, I guess, to talk about things. What? Death Stranding. No. What? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just playing, games? Was playing some stuff that was very fun. Uh, before we wrap up, did want to do another couple memory card stories, if you guys don't mind. If you have other shoots, please run. We have a, we have a, uh, this chair keeps rolling towards the edge uh, of the screen, though. I don't, we have a meeting very soon or two minutes ago, but it's okay. We'll, we'll get you there, it I can promise. Um, the first story that I want to read in this second memory card segment comes from Anas. Uh, Anas said, Dear Jonathan and crew, having just passed the fifth year anniversary of the release of PT, I thought I'd tell you guys a little story that took place back when the playable teaser was released. I had recently met a girl on Tinder. I believe we were three dates in and having an excellent time at one of my favorite restaurants in Beirut. I don't usually reveal my love of games early while I'm dating. But we got onto the topic of horror, and she told me just how much she loves all forms of the genre. I took this as an opportunity to tell her about PT. I had just downloaded it the previous night, and I told her I had trouble sleeping in my two-bedroom apartment alone, which has a giant corridor in it after playing. She got brag about your apartment there, My two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> uh, she got excited by the premise of the game and wanted to see what the fuss was about. The next day she comes over, I give her the tour of my place, which ended on my balcony, where she leaned on the banister of the balcony, looking intently at me. I didn't really notice at the time, so I swiftly pulled her back into the living room, switched off the lights, and yes, powered on the PS4. I handed her the controller and watched her play. Suffice to say... 
She spent most of the time shielding her eyes with a controller. It was cute and silly, which to me was perfect. As you know, with PT, it wasn't straightforward enough to finish, so I searched for videos showing how it was done because I needed that Norman Reedus reveal in my life. We eventually got through it, high-fived at the end, and she decided to leave since it was getting late. I walked her to the door where that look returned. However, this time I noticed. I nervously gave her a peck on the cheek and sent her on her way. After closing the door, I cursed myself for being such a loser. I had a fantastic girl over, and all I did was expose her to something that will give her nightmares for days instead of kissing her for the first time. I really thought I blew it. Fast forward five years, we're now married. Yes! What? Yeah! <laughs> and yes, she was totally expecting us to kiss, but also thought how uh, I chickened out was cute and silly. Also, not to brag, although it's totally a brag, she bought me the $500 million, uh, million limited edition PS4 Pro for my last birthday. If I didn't know she was, as the kids say, wifey material before, that would have done it. Keep up the excellent work. See? Isn't that great? That's the most heartwarming story about the game with the dead woman in the bathtub. That's <laughs> yeah. adorable. Love also, I lo also, that's like a, that is a smooth movie. Like, oh, you like horror? Well, I have a video game that is so scary, I can't sleep in my house. Come over to my house. Let's hang out. I like the idea of love being forever. Uh, and being centered around something that you can't re-download. Yes, oh. yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll live in the ethers of the PSN forever. Uh, thank you for writing in with that story. One other story for Memory Card this week. Christian wrote in and said, Hi, Beyond Crew. Thanks for a great show for my weekly commutes. And Jonathan, you taking over the show has been an awesome change. If I have any complaints, it's that your mixing is a tad too low. I've heard this. I'm trying to work on it. I've never dealt with audio before. I'm sorry. Audio sucks. It's bad. Pain in the ass. Uh, oh, so I've... this guy has one weekly commute? I'm jealous. That sounds great. <laughs> Uh, what if it's incredibly long? Or he listens. <laughs> well, our show probably doesn't cover it that well, then, huh? He listens five times a week. Maybe. Yep. Uh, I Once want... a week, I drive from New Jersey to California. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share a fond memory connected to PlayStation. I've been part of the Destiny lore community since its launch five years ago. It was around the 20th of December two years ago, and I was making my dinner for my two sons, who were two and five at the time. They were hanging out in my living room while I prepared dinner. Suddenly, my two-year-old comes running with a disc in his hands. It's the Destiny PS4 disc that I know is inside the PS4. I rush out to the living room, and when I try to insert the game, the reader makes such a terrible noise that I can tell it's broken beyond repair. I also realized the disc is severely scratched. Like everything using the internet, I turned to my forum of choice to complain about what had just happened. I was on paternal leave, so I knew we couldn't afford a new one anytime soon. I told everyone in my lore community what had happened and how heartbroken I was since Destiny was basically all I played. After feeling somewhat better from complaining, I receive a message from the admins. They've decided to gift me a PS4 from the States. I live in Sweden. After asking about 109 times if they were kidding, they explained that I was an important part of the community and that they wanted to help when I couldn't afford a new one. Just before Christmas, it arrived. A PS4 from people I had only gotten to know through the internet and through PlayStation. I was so happy and surprised how much love and awesomeness the world of gaming could provide, and I tell this story to everyone to explain the power of communities. Thank you for reading all this and beyond, Christian. That's really sweet. Which, yeah, I thought it was just a super war heartwarming story uh, and an excellent thing. Thank you so much for sharing. That's adorable. That Thanks for sending yeah. that to us and not Fireteam Chat. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah Take that, Justin. Those, those guys. Also, uh, I think today Destiny went free to play. Yes, yeah. It has yeah. The, uh, the Shadow Keep Which is uh, crazy. Change. So yeah. Anyone's trying also, to get into that. As a father, just download the game. <laughs> your, your kid won't be able to eat the disc. That's very true. Uh, if you want to worry about the all digital future and you have kids, it's actually a good thing. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for writing in. If you have a memory card story you want to share, and we do have plenty more to share, thank you for everyone who has written in. Uh, we'll continue to read those on the show. But if you have one and you haven't written in, write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read those every week on the show. If you have questions for beyond, if you have comments, whatever, please also write in to beyond at IGN.com with your uh, input, and we'll read that as the weeks go on. Uh, but for now, that is the wrap-up of episode 608. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, when we're not on the show, we're on IGN.com. As I mentioned, uh, these two wonderful boys are going to New York Comic Con this yeah. weekend. Um, so... What are you guys doing there? Can you talk at all about it? Or uh, I think so. We're going to be making a lot of videos on the show floor. We're also going to be at a party for HBO and The Watchmen for their new show that IGN is uh, helping to create. So I think there's an Evite out there uh, on our social feeds and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's uh, that. Friday night, 7 to 10, I believe, uh, 21 and up, but should be free admission. Uh, just, I would say, Google NYCC IGN Watchmen Party and see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you see us walking the show floor taking pictures of action figures, come and say hello. Yes, We'd love to meet people who listen to our show. 
and are nice about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very excited for you guys to do that show. And you also just wrapped up some stuff with Force Friday as well. That's right. And TwitchCon uh, from Axe. So yeah, you guys uh, continue to be busy and then you come back and we can play games. Yes. Talk about it. I want to play the games. Yeah, very excited for everything that's coming out. Uh, of course, when we're not here, IGN.com, YouTube.com slash IGN, and YouTube.com slash IGN Beyond for this show, uh, which airs every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific uh, on those platforms as well as your favorite podcast services. Uh, I am at Jam Dorbush on Twitter and Instagram. Brian is at Agent Bizzle on Twitter and at Brian Altano on Instagram. And then Max, you're at Max Scoville on mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram. Tom is at Tom R. Marks on Twitter and at Bow Pies on Instagram. Go check out the wonderful pies he bakes. I've been saying bopies. And as the bopies guide you home, thank you so much for listening and watching. And as always, beyond. 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 Bopies. Thank you, guys. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.